Hello, everyone, and welcome back to a very special podcast. I'm joined with two of my good friends in the NFT space today, uh, Yuri from Clout Art and Sway Social, and Annie, the NFT rebel herself. Welcome, Yuri. Welcome, Annie. Thank you for being here today. Thanks hey, for having me. Thanks, Thank to, you. Great to be here. So let's start off with a few introductions first. Uh, Annie, why don't you tell us a little about yourself, what you've been doing in the space, and how people, how you've kind of come into this space and evolved as the NFT rebel. Um, yeah, so I've been in the crypto space, in the blockchain space since I think around six years. So I've been professionally working in the space. I got into it completely accidentally through Steemit. So I wrote on Steemit. I ended up with crypto. I had no idea what it was. So it kind of, you know, led me uh, the rabbit hole. Uh, I've been working in, uh, yeah, I've gone through an ICO. Then I worked in a blockchain marketing company. Then I worked in a DeFi and now I'm actually working on the crossroad between DeFi and NFTs um, at NiftyFi. So basically, we provide people can um, put their NFTs as collateral to get a crypto loan. Um, but on a personal level, I'm very, very interested in the NFT space uh, because I'm also a fiction author. So I work on different collaborations, uh, reviving my old poetry into a digital storytelling NFT formats. Um, and I also kind of, you know, have a podcast where I cover NFT related topics and showcase different artists and creators and platforms. So, uh, yeah, that's that's why I am. Amazing. Very, very deep into the space. We'd love to hear that. And uh, Yuri, tell us a bit about Cloud Art and Sway Social. Yeah, so on my end, um, I've been in this NFT space since late 2017, around the time when CryptoKitties came out. Uh, more on the technical side back then, we actually co-founded a company that built the first DAP framework for NFTs. And we were also part of the team that helped push for the ERC721. So that was pretty exciting back then. But back then it wasn't about, you know, kind of like the retail part that's happening right now, kind of like, you know, we're getting into the mass adoption. It's more about the technology. Although the big players were already there. Uh, I remember the guys from OpenSea back then, uh, Decentraland. So, you know, kind of the, the first seats were, were, were there. Um, yeah, so ever since I've been kind of, you know, trying to, to find what the real value is in the space, how to bring, forward great tools or how to provide great experience, product services. Uh, most recently, like you've mentioned, um, we started with CloudArt, which is a NFT platform for social media posts. Uh, it started like two years ago and we've kind of built that up. And then along, you know, as CloudArt developed, we built this amazing token model that has a lot to do about, you know, more to do about kind of like a DeFi social thing for the future and you know metaverse involved and then we decided to launch that as a separate project as well just recently it's called sway social um and yeah so i am i'm deeply interested in creator economies of the future of how web3 is going to shape uh social networks of the future and um yeah and I, I love this space i mean i think it's it's the next big the biggest thing even bigger than the internet itself and so happy to be here amazing and uh, I suppose just extending from that point, Yuri, um, if we talk about you know, the NFT market space you know, evolution, you know, we talked, you, know, you touched very briefly there on, on on where the grassroots of the tech came from and how OpenSea has kind of taken that and given it a, you know, veneer to give it a user experience. You know, in your in your mind, where have we come from compared to where we are now? 
I, I've always been a big advocate since the very early days of the user experience. So I kind of think, you know, the technical aspect is, is one, I think in terms of technicalities, I think we've come a long, long way. Um, you know, all these different protocols, layer two solutions, uh, they've helped in the adoption game so that, you know, more people can have access to it. I think a big, 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 I mean, really big game changer is coming with uh, Ether, ETH2, ETH which is, I think, by the end of this month, we're going to see an announcement or by the end of next month. Um, but yeah, like I said, in terms of adoption of uh, mainstream, a lot has to do with user experience. And there's some projects that I'm really big, uh, a big fan of, like Taurus. Uh, it's actually a wallet from, I think they're from Singapore. Uh, but more than that, they're offering an identity solution that allows you to work with kind of Web2 interfaces uh, or Web2 plugins. So what that means is not it's not the Web3 uh, kind of like the final Web3 version of it. It's more like Web2.0, 2.5, like they call it. Um, but I think it's really important to have that because you have to understand that all the crypto people, and without an exception, everybody lives in a bubble. Uh, speaking to people outside of crypto is is a, a completely refreshing experience when you find out that they have no idea what a MetaMask is. And um, we have this agenda of hiring at the Cloud Art and Sway Social. Uh, when it comes to UX designers, we've had three now and none have been active in crypto before, which is brilliant because when they start to look at user interfaces, they go like, what is a MetaMask? Why do I need to do this? This is, this is you know, this is insane. And it's, uh, it's interesting you mentioned the identity identity piece. So I was thinking this over this morning um, before we had this podcast. And the real causal link here is that secure identity. You know, a lot of us, we're all baked into smartphones now. And we're baked into either Android or Apple. And even we're seeing interoperability between a lot of those apps now on a Web 2, Web 2.5 kind of layer. And the real bridge and the real, you know, I think, aha moment is when, you know, the concept of ownership in a digital token format for anything blended into existing tech we already have, that's gonna be the causal link. Yeah. That's gonna be the big leap because you know you can have multiple wallets, all of us have you know, a MetaMask plugin with maybe multiple accounts in it. Uh, and that's great for organization and, and where we wanna keep our assets. But you know the loss of that key is obviously quite massive and that's where a lot of people are afraid to be their own bank or it's kind of not just for them right now. But if it was baked into an existing solution that has widely known support, has you know killer UI, uh, has that you know safety and security of of a mobile device or a face ID or a biometric or whatever, and that's that's the private key, you know the person's biometrics is the, is is the uh, is the ID, then we can have all of the tech that everyone's been so excited about inside that bubble. What do you think about yeah. that? Um, yeah, I, I think up to up to now, the issue, what I have observed is, unfortunately, like, you know, the more decentralized um, the, the solution is and the more control you've got, the less user friendly that uh, that tool is. So uh, which is why, like, if you look at, you know, Coinbase, for example, you know, centralized exchanges versus DeFi, you, you do see a, a difference in, in user experience. So it's, it's easier for newcomers to start with completely centralized solutions, then slowly move the, up the learning curve and start figuring things out by themselves. And, uh, and unfortunately, kind of, you know, the, 
because of this, like it's it's always hard to find the right balance. And you know, we do um, very often we do think that people actually want that whole control and that whole kind of you know decentralized solutions. Mm -hmm. But it also comes with responsibility, and many people are scared of that responsibility, right? Like you know, you you talk about losing keys, like uh, and we are, and uh, Yuri mentioned crypto kitties. Like I have a wallet where I have four of crypto kitties and I can't access it. And it's very painful looking at those cute, cute kitties and knowing that they were yours at one point of time, but like, you know, there are no ones at the moment, right? Yeah, the, 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 the <laughs> so, on the street. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So, uh, <laughs> exactly. So I can, I, I can just see them in the wallet. I have the wallet address, but I don't have the keys to access it. So, um, so I think that's, that's where it is, right? We, we talk about from technical perspective, we do get decentralized solutions, but, um, there is also another layer that people don't really talk so much about, which is like the human aspect of things. We do have completely decentralized solutions, but then we have centralized influencers who can move things yeah. just by one tweet right so technologically complete decentralization is you know is possible uh and it's it, eventually it will get to a point where it will be easier to use uh but still like it doesn't really mean that everything is completely decentralized and fair and you know uh because you still give power to these several big whales several big wallets several big twitter accounts that can you know move markets and kind of you know influence their big audiences by just several words so uh, there is this kind of interesting, you know, this balance between the two. Um, but again, yeah, user experience, I completely agree with Yuri. It's very, very important, especially with the, the NFT space, because when it starts with art, artists are not very techie people, usually, and they are not uh, very kind of, you know, finance um, driven people as well. So finding a solution which would fit their needs is, um, is not very easy. There's one thing you touched on there specifically between you know, starting off centralized, you know, the gateway drug going into full DeFi, full decentralization, full NFT is there is also a security aspect. I mean, we saw a quite a substantial security aspect cut rear its head with uh, OpenSea and some of their outdated unpatched smart contracts where people were able to look at um, accepting uh, previous prices from months ago because the owner with a lack of education, probably a lack of UI. They didn't cancel the bids or cancel the old offers. They simply moved the NFT off to another wallet, then moved it back into their OpenSea wallet, thinking that that old auction is now canceled. But in fact, that old contract is still open and valid. So we saw hugely popular and massively expensive pieces uh, go for kind of next to nothing. And that was a security loophole by yeah. a human. Now, if it was better audited or more constantly audited or, or, or whatever, then that could have been could be could kind of be avoided and it kind of brings me into you know is there a distinctive need for a hundred percent decentralization or do you think there is a blend where centralized exchanges like with the likes of coinbase and, and binance on their um uh the nft platforms do you think they have a place in the nft space for different types of offerings or similar offerings to OpenSea, or do you think there there isn't a real distinct competition uh yuri Absolutely. I think um, 
So it boils down to the question about decentralization again. So first off, I think it's not, it can't be binary. It can be decentralization on, decentralization off. Um, because you can never have a fully 100% decentralized solution. Even if you store stuff on IPFS, uh, even if you have MetaMask, there's always bits and pieces that you'll have to store in a way where certain players can come change them, modify them. So it's not always, you know, completely decentralized. Um, yeah, I think, I think, you know, when it comes to decentralization or centralization question, I always try to look at what, what the general public is doing. And for a fact, I know, and we've talked to people about this also, um, that people enjoy not having to have that responsibility, not, you know, worrying about if their money is gone. I mean, people know, even are, are ready to risk that long-term they are, you know, because of some crisis or war or something or banks get closed, they're going to lose some of their assets in exchange for, I can forget my passwords right now, or I can have like, my bank is one phone call away. Yeah. So it's, it's, and I think it's going to boil down to NFTs as well. Um, I think what Coinbase and, and Binance are doing with the NFT marketplaces is spot on. Um, it's just easier to have everything in one place. You do the one KYC. I, but, but by saying that, I, I'm not trying to, you know, I'm always more about the decentralization. I think it op opens up a lot more opportunities. Mm. And also from the te technical point of view, like when you have these NFTs and marketplaces completely decentralized, there's so many things you can do. Like there's smart contracts that you can, um, you know, build that can yeah, do stuff with these. There's, there's more crossplay. Like I said, there's more yeah. opportunity out there. Stuff can spring up, go through the rapid testing process, through you know rapid yeah. rapid growth without being constrained to you know shareholders having to make a decision. You know, roll it into a project, development roadmap, exactly. have it funded, have it properly. You know, you can put something out there that might not be a hundred percent and test it really, really quickly. And that's yeah. why I've always had this thought, even on you know even on the DeFi side, which we're not talking about today, but there are still going to be two or three or multiple sides to a market where uh, the centralized players can still talk very interoperably and very, you know, at high frequency with any yeah. of these decentralized layers. And you don't really have to choose, but you can be a part of the game. Exactly. Now, even like if you look at what we're exploring is, you know, some people call it social fi. Um, I think social networks in the future, NFTs are going to play, of course, a big role in that. If you look at what NFTs are essentially in, in Web3, NFTs are the content layer, right? So they're going to play a massive role in that. But even in social fire, the way we look at the future is like, it's gonna be not one big platform or like three big platforms that have it all, mm. but it's gonna be multiple smaller players that will be able to be inoperable with each other. And, and through that, people will be able to kind of select or connect and you know, choose their experiences the way they wanna have them in the future. That's how, and I think that's the real value of it. But at the same time, you, know, you can't beat the big guys. They have, their, their reach is just too massive. Imagine just, you know, Instagram announced like, I think last end of last year that they're going to do uh, NFTs on their platform so that you'll be able to basically turn a social media post into NFTs. Mm -hmm. When this is coming, nobody knows. There have been some couple of um, leaked photos from the app, but that's huge. Like when you have this mass of people and you figure it out mm -hmm. and then, you know, you kind of give them that opportunity to be a part of this, just the idea yeah. Because one thing, if I may go on, on a tangent a bit, one thing that we did learn with social medias and, and NFTs and influencers is that everybody gets the word NFTs. Everybody is kind of like, okay, I know what it is. We've made the easiest process ever 
to mint these NFTs on our platform. That's like, it can't get any easier, right? But people are stuck, not even getting into the app. They're stuck in their mind, not understanding, not getting where the value is coming from. Mm. So I think, you know, a lot of education on that part is still going to be needed. Before we get into, you know, really massive adoption or talking about centralization, decentralization in the space. Yeah. And, you know, just from that whole point with all Instagram, if they do add it and when they do add it, because obviously it's a very natural thing uh, for Instagram to, or even TikTok, et cetera, to go down that kind of route, they will have that initial captive audience, but you can already know it's going to have a layer of restriction on there. The fact that yeah. Instagram and TikTok and those kind of guys are probably going to cover the gas fees for the original mint and moving it between you know various people, it probably won't be a full-blown NFT platform in its first phase before it goes to an on-chain <laughs> level. Um, and um, you know, just to you know, kind of you know, give a little bit of plug to, to Yuri and their team, what they're doing there is I've actually you know, took one of my old Instagram posts back when I had Instagram. I don't have it anymore. But I minted um, a really cool... Um, uh, I think it's a money box that I've got. It's, I call it Crypto Bear. And uh, I minted that on the, the Cloud Art platform and it's visible even on, on OpenSea. You know, so that NFT sitting on chain owned by my wallet is visible on multiple platforms. And that's essentially what it needs to be. Even if it goes through centralized or goes through the decentralized, you have to have that interrupt. And I don't think we're gonna see that from, uh, from Instagram or TikTok in their first phase because people don't have money in those platforms essentially to cover those essential minting fees or those transfer fees, which inherently give it most of the value. So, you know, with that in mind, what do you think is going to be needed first, um, in your opinion, uh, Annie, to bring more investors into this space that want to, you know, put their money where their mouth is in terms of content around, you know, the auction process, you know, onboarding, gas fees, cancellation fees, all that kind of stuff. What do you think needs to be the biggest improvement to get more people on board with it? I think it's, uh, you know, uh, I think we have to improve the story that we're telling about it, right? I think we have to talk about the actual value and what it is about versus talking about um, these artists sold uh, on Sotsby for 69 million or, you know, uh, Bored Apes made so much, you know, capitalization yeah. is so much, etc. Because yeah, I do understand... Yeah, absolutely. Because I do understand that obviously these big number stories and get rich quick sort of um, uh, thing, it, desire is very big and it's a very easy hook to, to bring in people. But the problem is that when you are bringing them for the wrong reasons, then as soon as things start cooling down, as soon as people are not making so much money, as soon as ETH goes down, as soon as the sales start kind of staggering, then these people who came for that, that will we you know will lose money will be super bitter will go out and tell their versions super of those stories bitter. that it, <laughs> yeah uh, you know and and what will happen will they will tell their versions of the story of how much money they lost that it was all a scam that it was all a bubble and all that stuff yeah. and those stories are kind of going to be louder right yeah. so so i think in 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 our case it's it, it's it, what's needed is actually giving the realistic uh, right perspective of what it is actually about and what's the value behind it and also giving the stories and applications about that no it's not just the crypto art that we're talking 
talking about. NFTs are way beyond that. There, is, there are lots of different applications. There is a technology behind it that enables stuff. And then, you know, you can use it for your business, for your purposes in a different way, rather than just, you know, taking a photo of the painting, physical painting that you did and just mint it out there, right? So I think the, the, the actual stories and the real realistic picture of what it is it all about is is what is needed there because uh the rest in terms of how to use it in terms of user experience all that is going to be developed and is going to come with the time but the actual core of the big why why it all was created and why it exists and why you should care about and why it should be appealing to you why you should resonate with it right. And the stories may be different because like the story that attracts the artist is basically getting rid of the gatekeepers, being able to have the direct access to your, you know, to people who will see your art and, and like it, et cetera, et cetera, not depending on art galleries, on critics, on people who will say whether your art is actual art or not, et cetera. But for some other people, like, you know, businesses in supply chain or, you know, or, or luxury brands, uh, the story is like, okay, you know, now your consumer will know for sure whether this Louis Vuitton bag was produced in China as a replica or it's the genuine one, for example, right? So, so the stories to different audiences are different uh, and, and uh, you come in here and you're going to get a mil become a millionaire in a week is not the right story to actually yeah. use as, as a use case. Well, that, if, if I may, that, that, that kind of reminds me of, of this story. I'm sure you've, you've read the the quote that Paul Krugman, the famous economist, made in 1996, that by 2005, the internet will fade out, yeah. be nothing more than a fax it's machine, a right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I've, I've read this, like there was a, like this meme somewhere, and I've, I've read a comment, somebody saying, I don't know who it was, but he said, I can't blame him because that was, exact, that was how majority of the people back then felt yeah. because you couldn't grasp, you couldn't you know, wrap your head around all the possibilities that internet would bring. It was just too early, it wasn't mature yet. So right now, I think we're at the exact same time with, uh, with NFTs. Mm. The, the, the wrap your head around the concept of the possibility of the technology, because back then- Exactly, very, yeah. You know, I, I remember that even from my childhood when you, you know, maybe this is all, you know, a whole different kind of social culture thing for another day, but uh, you made an arrangement to meet someone for dinner and you kept that plan no matter what. There was no cancellation late minute, et cetera. You literally you left the house, and there was no communication point between the phone call when, before you left the house and getting to the restaurant. Same, right? So that, was, that was just what you did. And if you didn't turn up, yeah. you'd, be, you'd be shit scared of someone getting hurt or whatever. You know, there wouldn't be yeah. oh, running ten minutes late or found a better offer or that, whatever. You know, that's this a whole other thing for twenty twenty two. So just to talk about you know improving that story, or just to kind of aware on time and stuff. Yuri, do you think there's you know too much hype? in the market? Or do you think we have to keep evolving the story to keep the trend going? Uh, I, I, well, actually, both is true. But there's, I think there's too much hype in the wrong markets in NFT. Um, I think there's, there's certain categories of NFTs. I, I'll tell you honestly, I'm not a big fan of, of PFPs, profile pictures. <laughs> it seems like there's like daily new projects are coming on board. And, and the sole purpose of 99% of them is of speculative nature buy low, sell high. Mm. Uh, and even the influencers like um, um, Annie mentioned before, you know, they're playing this game along, which is kind of harmful for the whole industry. Yeah. Um, the whole, I think like we've, 
even back in 2018 with, with the previous company, we were very loud about all these different use cases that NFTs are going to bring along. And I think we're still kind of waiting for that to happen. So from college degrees to real estate, I'm, I'm big on real estate. I can't wait for that to happen, by the way. Um, but yeah, the hype is too big right now for, for all the wrong reasons. Um, but you know, at, at the end of January, I think we had a record sales monthly in NFTs. So I think we're going to cool down a bit. I think people are going to come through the realization. There's going to be a sobering moment for all of us. And then we can get back to a normal trajectory where things evolve naturally. Yeah. I think you kind of hit it on the head there as well. You know, the, the, the use case, the speculation bit has kind of had most of the traffic. And I think where I get most excited um, in terms of predictions, my next five-year prediction will be how we're... Um, uh, the evolution of NFTs, how they connect to existing Web 2, Web 2.5 solutions like my iCloud account and my iPhone, etc. Is I suppose, you know, the um, the music rights, anti-piracy, DMA stuff, all that's really boring for a lot of people. Everyone wants something for free. I think, you know, if you genuinely like your content, you will pay for a subscription onto Spotify, you will pay for a subscription onto, onto Tidal. And that subscription base is going to be an NFT that's secured on your wallet, but that wallet's going to be a part of your existing tech stack, your existing identity. So I can, you know, give that NFT over to someone else and they can use the subscription when I'm not using it. You know, that sort of micro society of, of use cases. Um, you know, tickets for boarding passes on the planes. No longer will you lose it anymore because let's face it, everyone's got their phone. We're already using QR codes. You know, why not actually prove proper ownership of that ticket and transferability, which let's face it, doesn't matter a thing to the airline. It's just the booking of it and charging extra 50 quid to change the name of the database. It's an absolute scam. Um, ownership of you know, like property. You know, I thought about selling my, my motorcycle on the blockchain back in 2000 and uh, what was it, 2018. And I thought the audience is too small. I just put it on Facebook and it was gone a day later. So the idea was there. <laughs> but the, the, the concept of getting it all through and the UI just wasn't there. We were still back in the ERC721 you know, space. So I'm, I'm really excited for when we have that, that, that big leap forward in connecting Web, web 2 to Web 3, um, using existing identity platforms um, exactly. uh, to connect to a wallet base that has to support you know every every chain out there have a very easy way to pay for the gas fees uh whether it's through my apple pay through whatever it is it doesn't matter uh and using it for those other purposes i think is what i'm most excited for so prediction wise annie what's your next five years uh what's the space going to look like who's going to be involved and what uh, yeah for? I mean, the, the whole space is so crazy that like five days equals five years, right? More or less, it's yeah. just changing so fast. So it's very hard to predict. But the way I see this is like, um, to me personally, when I'm trying to explain NFTs and I'm usually going through a very kind of, you know, human side of things and trying to sort of detach it from the tech to make it easier for people to understand on, on sort of, you know, on human level, personally for me, NFTs are, I call them like tokenized emotions and experiences. And I think that's that's what's gonna come next, right? Like in, in the future, um, NFTs will play a big role in, in experiences, in daily life experiences. So like once the metaverse gets to a level where you can sort of, you know, experience Web3 and link it to your real life and go back and forth between between the two, 
uh, that's when you know like you can do shopping in there you can do you know uh, participate in events you can kind of become part of a community etc cetera, etc cetera, right so but then at the same time you can link it to your uh, real life membership in a co-working space let's say and then you know you you can go back and forth etc cetera, etc cetera. so i think like uh, your everyday experiences um will be enhanced by by the technology and the possibilities that it brings but it will happen i don't know if other probably five years is too early uh, older one never knows but it will happen only at a time when masses come in and masses will come in only when they will start using nfts without knowing that they they are using yeah, nfts just, just like the internet right so yeah. Exactly. So when 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 so let's say it's the same thing with DeFi, right? We we expect people to learn about this, but you know, unless it works as easy as their uh, mobile banking app, it's not realistic for people to go and watch and learn blockchain, etc. They they'd yeah. rather watch Netflix instead. Just, so just, yeah, the point of just taking the 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 wallet key off. That, that 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 bit alone is is almost too much that's huge. yeah the, so the, the 12 keys write them down don't screenshot it blah 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 blah. that's still a very fundamental part that people just won't do yeah absolutely so i don't know if it will happen in five years or not but like that actually usage of the technology in every different aspect of our everyday experiences is gonna be what happens uh, i just don't know when <laughs> You know, I was I was I was on a panel, if, if I may. I was on a panel five, um, four years ago, when I got this question: um, When do you think people will actually adopt blockchains? Very general question, and I said when they stop talking about blockchain, that's when because yeah. you're not sending yeah. you're not sending your emails through SMTP IMAP protocols. You, I, I don't call call Jeff up and say, hey, "Did you get my email through that SMTP or POP three or whatever." You know, it's gone, right? No, the protocol, just, the technology is under the hood, right? Exactly. Same with the internet. Well, yeah, when, you, when you're not talking about it anymore. And I suppose, yeah, like, just last year, while we, uh, while we run out, uh, five-year, what does the space kind of look like for you? Um, I'm very bullish on how um, Web3 is going to transform the social networks, um, social capital, something that we're doing with Sway Social. Um, we'll see if, if, you know, I'm, I'm bullish on, on a lot of things, in terms of NFTs, um, but we'll you know, we'll just let things go their own way, like they always do, and let's get surprised because nobody believed like cool. uh, two years ago That's NFTs cool. are going to go that big. No, I like yeah. that. That's good. I mean, <laughs> let's let's not try to foretell our future too much and try to force everyone down the narrative. Let's see what. I've been surprised time and again in this space. So. Yes. That's it. I mean, yeah. myself and I have known each other since 2018, and we've kind of seen it all. So. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I want to thank uh, both uh, Yuri from uh, Cloud Arts with Social and Annie, the NFT rebel and content creator, uh, long-term crypto aficionado, coming on the podcast today. It's always been great to talk. I know we could talk about this absolutely forever. So I think I can think I can see this topic coming back uh, almost on a monthly basis and revisiting how the space is moving. Definitely see NFT being more of a flavor at the moment than DeFi. DeFi is definitely not dead. But I think the, the NFT space has uh, a much easier concept on the uh, on the existing human brain. We all like to collect stuff. Uh, we like to yeah. steward stuff. You know, we like to make it ours. And I think that's where I think that's where we're going to see quite a lot of growth in the next kind of twelve months to five years. So rounding out, thank you very much, my guest, for coming on today. Uh, really appreciate you coming on the show. And I look forward to speaking to you again very soon.
Thank you, Jeff. Thanks.